It's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. And I do not know what episode number this is. And I don't even know the date you're hearing it because it was recorded on July 12th, 2017. I do know that I am your host, Allison Sheridan. I also know that we've got Rod Simmons of the SMR podcast back for part two of our conversation about electric vehicles. Welcome to the show again, Rod. Thank you very much. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, it's like, man, Tom Merritt would have probably been awesome to have on this conversation because he's he was a Prius owner for a long time, wasn't he? I think he still is. I think his Prius is like 12 years old. Yeah. So he would he would have been like a great person to add in. If he's listening, he's probably like, he knows nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the problem is Tom can say that about everybody in all subjects because he manages to know so much about everything. It's really annoying. I hate that guy. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so in our in our first episode, which uh, I do believe aired on July 12th, uh, we talked about the different kind of electric vehicle uh, types. We talked some about regenerative braking and uh, Rod gave us some of the tricks he's done to try to justify the idea of purchasing an electric hybrid or some sort of electric vehicle and and focus specifically on trying to figure out what kind of electric vehicle does he need to get in order to meet his needs. And the only way to know your needs is to collect actual data. So that was really fun. Then we argued about uh, the environment in LA, but today we wanted to start jumping into a new part of the subject. I've noticed that whenever you hear somebody talk about electric vehicles, it seems to go hand in hand with autonomous vehicles. And uh, have you noticed that too? Yeah, I've definitely noticed that. And you know, it's funny because um, I think you either you get like these uh, polar opposites on the when you start talking about autonomous vehicles. To me, I'm like, bring it on, baby. I I, I want it. Oh, um, not not anytime too soon. Tomorrow <laughs> oh, so would be great. Way. Oh, yeah. yeah. I hate. To, well, you heard me say in the previous episode that I have taken a nap driving to San Diego. It's only two hours away. I mean, I would right. like to always take a nap. I would like to have nobody be driving. I would like to play on my computer and have the time just go by and be relaxed and not worried somebody's <laughs> texting and going to kill me. So for me, um, the like, and I, I think if we, if everybody just sit back for a moment and think about your life and again, it doesn't matter your income level, but for a moment, imagine you in your household, you likely have multiple vehicles. So let's say that you have, um, your wife has a car and you have a car and let's, what do you assume, mean your wife? You mean my husband has a car and I have a car? Exactly. Yeah. I'm okay. assuming everybody's guys, aren't I? Um, yeah, you so, are. <laughs> Sorry. Let's assume that you have a car and your spouse has a car. Partner, whatever you got. <laughs> or partner, sure. yeah, whatever you have. Um, now, let's assume that each car is roughly between a forty dollars and $50,000 vehicle. And that, that, might, that could be high. We could bring it down. And, and you, you just figure out the numbers for you. But if we assume a forty dollars to $50,000 vehicle, imagine you could survive with one vehicle. Mm-hmm. So here's a story. Rather, you buy a $90,000 vehicle and you're like, wait, I'm not saving any money. But – you get up to go to work at, let's say, seven o'clock in the morning, but your wife doesn't go or her husband or whomever doesn't go till later in the day. Now you could be in a scenario where you say, well, I need to go to work. I don't need this car back until later. So it drives me to work and say, go home. The car <laughs> goes home and it takes the wife and takes her to work or the husband. And then it's like, oh, well, neither one of us are home right away. Maybe on the way from when I'm coming home from work, I'll go by and pick him or her up. And then we'll both come home. But maybe before that, it needs to get the kids from school or take the kids to sports practice, then come get us. Once we're home, we can deal with that. And now you all of a sudden like are in a very different scenario where you're saying we could probably get by. If the vehicle can get itself from my job to his job or her job to a school to dropping kids off and coming back, 
uh, yeah, I, I don't need two vehicles. I actually see that going uh, much farther than that. I see it going to zero vehicles. Maybe not. Maybe not in my immediate yes. lifetime. I might be super old when this comes through. But I've actually been thinking about the fact that we might end up changing the shape of homes that they no longer have driveways and and uh, uh, garages. Picture houses that didn't have that anymore, that that space became space you could live in and do things in because you don't need you don't ever have a car. The car comes and gets you and it takes you to work or it takes you to the ball game, and you're not you know, nobody's driving it. I, I, I envision a beautiful future of that. I love that idea. So I'm trying to do baby steps here. You just went ahead and jumped <laughs> off the cliff. Uh, but no, I agree with you. I mean, eventually, yeah. Why do I need to own the car? If I just know that I need a car or vehicle that can get me from point A to point B when I need it. And I know that if I can press a button like we do with Uber today, it can pick me up and get me from point A back to point B. I'm good with that. Like I, I don't need the ownership part. I don't need, I don't need the insurance. I don't, I don't care to keep paying for that. I just, I need to go from point A to point B. And if that's going to be lower cost of ownership than it was before, that's great. And if I think the logical, the, the first steps that we're all taking down that path, some of you guys on this phone, on this, uh, listen to podcast are far luckier than I. So I'm going to start with the basics, which is. Okay. But a wait a minute. I, I gotta, I gotta stop you for a second. Uh -oh. You know, maybe none of this is going to happen because did you hear they've, they've actually built the transporter now that I think it was yesterday they announced, uh, I think it was a, a proton was transported from earth into space and captured by a satellite. So we're going to have the transporter and not need any of this. No vehicles at all. I'm not going to be the first person to try out this transporter. <laughs> <laughs> I saw okay, the fly. Fine. So if anybody else who's my age and seen the movie The Fly, they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. It I'll was a later. photon, not a, not a proton. Sorry. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that actually did happen. Anyway. All right. So I think if anybody's starting – um, when you start thinking about autonomous and yeah, they are, they are very synonymous with EVs, uh, probably not synonymous, but intertwined. And, and intertwined, why, yeah. why is that? Um, I think it's, I think it, I think it has to do with like a, the electrical systems, uh, a, if you have an electric vehicle, the, maybe you want, you want to have, like, you're going to have more higher tech built onto the vehicles. I don't know why, cause there's no reason why a combustion engine can't do all this high tech, but there's tons of computers running. And if you're running an EV, you tend to have more computers, more cameras, more this, this stuff going on. Yeah. So I think there's, there's a maybe it's just future thinking car companies or uh -oh. maybe they have a category of these are our future cars yeah, and future I mean, cars are more electric and hybrid and, and, and autonomous. Well, you pointed out the, I think it was the Audi A8 Eight? was yeah, $103,000 car, but it's uh, it's going to be level three autonomy. And should we define the different autonomous levels if we're going to talk yeah. about this? Oh, yeah. I do. But the thing I know is that, uh, level four is the car just shows up and nobody's driving yeah. it. Level three is under most conditions it can drive itself, but a, a human still has to be there. Uh, and not for legal reasons, but because there are times it has to take over. Yep, and I think I think level five is when you don't even have steering controls any longer in the vehicle. Oh, um, oh, I didn't so know there was a level think, five. I thought four was yeah, the top. Okay, yeah, level five is no human intervention required. Uh, it's yeah, there's there's no steering wheel. Like you get in and it's like oh, all this hardware is no longer needed because I totally can trust this vehicle. Think about that: two couches facing each other. You got yeah. your feet up. You you got a bark lounger in there, just relaxing, reading a book, playing on your computer, taking a nap. 
so now now you're going to force me to find a podcast I watched the other day where um one of the podcasters was uh um he was doing a ride along with a guy from Nissan. They actually had the Nissan Leaf and were showing all the autonomous stuff that they're doing with at Nissan. And um the guy from Nissan was saying, "Yeah, the car drives itself." He goes, "But the way they're doing it, they're saying they're using lidar versus uh how Tesla's doing it with cameras and radar." But they're saying the car was driving. He says, oh, the car's not going to be – the car's notifying me. It can't handle the upcoming situation. So the guy grabs a wheel, deals with it, and then lets go of the wheel, and the car just takes over. And so it wasn't like a I got to reengage you to tell you, hey, I want you to take control. It's like, nope, I grabbed the wheel, so now I have control, and when I let go, you take back over control. You start hmm. driving again. Hmm. Um, it was really interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely um, – Kind of link add a link add a link for that in the show notes so that everybody can uh, watch the the gentleman from Nissan uh, showing off the, uh, the cool. autonomous features in the Nissan vehicle, which, so like I say, me, I think is cool. Let me get you back to uh, baby steps. I know I went to the future with photons in space, but um, there's there's a lot of little things being done that are are gradually going to maybe get us used to this idea. Why don't you talk through some of those things? Yeah. So I think where you first start, and this is where my jealous factor, and I think a lot of some people who might have a newer car um, might are, might be there right now. Um, so if you have a car that has um, uh, adaptive cruise control, let's just start there because many people are like, I don't want the car steering for me. Well, how about adaptive cruise, which adaptive cruise control um, like a buddy of mine, he bought a Range Rover, loves the car. And it ha- and he's like, it, I'm telling you, Rod, I know you like your truck. If you haven't driven a vehicle with adaptive cruise control, you need to drive one. So what is, what's the dangerous. difference? I've got cruise control. I tell it to go 60 miles an hour and it does. Right. Adaptive the- says uh, go 60 miles an hour, but keep a two car following distance between me and the car in front of me. It slows down. You slow down. It mm. moves out of the way. You speed back up and hit that max mile an hour that I said. So now all of a sudden, because I mean, we all do, we like cruise control is far more efficient than your foot on the pedal. That, yeah. Make no mistakes about it. And we don't know that. But like even in a gas vehicle where you're pressing the gas, you're constantly always feathering the pedal, like coming on and off. And like you're constantly wavering down because it's like, uh, I guess my my foot was a little too heavy on the pedal. Now I'm up at like 75 and I should be down at 70. So you come off a little bit. Uh, and I'm at 64 and you know, you know, people in Priuses are passing me. This is ridiculous. Then you're back down on the pedal. So you're constantly doing this up and down with the pedal. It's never perfectly locked in. And when you go down the hills or up hills, you constantly have to fight with that. Turn on adaptive cruise and say, look, I want to be five miles over the speed limit, 75 done, not thinking about it again. I don't need to touch you unless I'm in emergency situation. I don't need to touch I, – I can have my foot flat on the floor and let the car do all the work. So adaptive cruise makes long-range driving because well, – it's you also think a lot it, less tiring. I mean yeah. how much do you hate it when the guy in front of you slows down and then you try yeah. to pass him and then he speeds up and you know I'm saying guy, woman, could be, uh, and how irritating that is. But if your car automatically adapts, maybe you're not sitting there going, oh, I can't believe I'm going 62. I wanted to be going 65. Yeah, and not, not to mention the other the other challenge you run with um, is if you have regular cruise control, which is what I have, is you turn it on for a long range drive because it's it. Why do we use it? It's because it makes the drive a little easier for us. Mm-hmm. I'd like to say physically of constantly having to mess around with the pedal. Yeah. And, but what you wind up doing is you turn it on, and then the car gets in front of you. It's going too slow, so you either you're trying to go down, down, down in speed, like saying <laughs> go slower, 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 and then it moves, and you're like faster, 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 and. You, it's like I don't want to think about it. I want to say I want to go 75 and I want to kind of 
just go and know that it will follow what I feel is a comfortable following distance, two cars, three cars, four cars, five cars. So I don't, if someone, if someone cuts you off and slides in in front of you and breaks that two car following distance you had, it'll say, Oh, I'm going to slow down a little bit and get that two car following cushion. You asked me to maintain for you. So uh, here's a question though. What if the person in front of you slams on their brakes? Will it also put on to slam yes. on your brakes? Yes. Yeah. That's the other okay. thing. Is that, and that's so, out today in vehicles you can buy today. Yeah. Yeah. So you, so that's another bit of technology you have usually in vehicles. And I should say adaptive cruise uh, is not alone doing that. You also have what's called uh, front end collision avoidance or front end collision alerting. Alerting, I think, is worthless. I, I don't need you to tell me I'm about to hit something unless you feel I'm like the only reason why you want to alert me is because I'm not paying attention. Right. <laughs> avoidance is what I want, which is, look, if I'm about to run into something because maybe my reaction speed, put the brakes on and stop like that's that. So you want adaptive cruise control is maintaining safe speed, safe distance. Um, collision avoidance is designed to say like you're coming up to a, a stop sign and we've, everyone has done it every once in a while in the car where you're driving up and it's like, it's the last second you're like, Oh my God, that light's red. And you slam the brakes on to stop. Yeah. Um, or you say, I thought that car, like I saw light was green, but that, that car, for some reason, as I'm approaching, it's like, you're anticipating it to start driving. So you're not slowing. (laughs) And then it's like the, it's too late when you realize oh my God, he's not going or she's not going and you slam the brakes. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. the avoidance or but, the- But uh, won't that take a lot of money away from the uh, body shops for the little fender bender accidents? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in general, these are not, the, the front end collision avoidance is probably not as likely to help you with catastrophic failure of driving, but a lot of the little annoyances of life, the, the, the kind where your, your brain is just is chanting, OK, nobody died, nobody died, nobody died, trying to make yourself not crazy. But you've just lost three days of your life. You're going to have to deal with insurance companies and the other person's insurance company. And if it's your fault, even worse. And you're driving around, blah, 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 blah. It's just the giant annoyance factor. Right. Right. And might also cause the, neck injuries, I suppose. Yeah. A ton, like as you start to get autonomous, like I think mean, we've all seen the videos where like, oh, the Tesla predicted the accident in front of the car that was happening and was able to break you out of the break oh, you out of the way. It's like that was that, crazy. If you guys haven't seen that, I maybe Rod, Rod can find us that link too. But yeah, where where it's it's not predicting the car in front of you hitting somebody; it's the car in front of that, right? Yeah, and that's where where you want to be. It's like if the car can see something that I can't quickly pick up because it's doing. It's like. It's got eight, nine cameras that are going on. Hey, that's great. You take over. Like, I, I want you to do that. I want you to save me from myself. And so I, a friend of uh, my my son, his uh, his coach, my, my son's baseball coach, his son got into, he's a new driver, got into a very serious car accident. So um, really quick public service announcement for anybody. If you if anybody has a kid of driving age, like just, just starting to drive or about to drive, there's a, a really cool thing called putonthebrakes.org, at least in the U.S. I'll make sure I put a, a link in there. But um, it was started by um, – I think it was a race car driver who's who lost two sons in a fatal accident that he felt uh-huh. was avoidable. So he started this putonthebrakes.org, which was to teach uh, young drivers more defensive driving. So they, they, they take a $99 deposit to hold your spot. That is 100% refundable. You can have all the money back. If you feel you didn't get value out of the course or just because financially you can't afford it, it's only to ensure to hold your spot. So you come to the class. 
you show up to the class. They put your kids in cars. They put them like they put slicks on the, the backs of the tires. So they, they tell the kids to start driving. They let the back end fly out in a very safe environment for the kids and teach them how to steer in controlled skids and stuff like that, Ooh. how to deal with wet and dry and all, all the things that kids should learn from defensive driving. They have them going through like courses and trying to break and really getting to the stuff that you're like, no way in heck I'm letting you do that in my car, <laughs> but they can do it. And K- Kia actually um, adds uh, sponsors this as well. So you're, they're all running around and driving in Kia cars, but um, my buddy, uh, the one who got the Range Rover actually did it with his son a month ago. And he said, my, he goes, we, it was a weekend away with me and my son. We drove 200 miles to go to this class. He said, when the day it was of the class, my son was miserable, didn't want to go. And when he was, I walked in. Every other team was the exact same way. Um, within they loved 15, it. Within 15 to 20 minutes, they like they kind of tell you what's going to go on. They sweep your kids away. You're watching the kids drive and doing all this stuff. They're having a blast. His son said, when is it going to be in the area next again? Can we do it again? He had oh, so much fun. Interesting. So, again, I would just say it's a it's a really good idea to do with uh, young drivers. So the reason why what, I'm telling that story. What's it called again? Uh, PutOnTheBrakes.org. Okay. So if you, if you, if you can't find it for some reason, uh, let me know, but it's just put on the brakes and then .org, um, and you'll find it. And, uh, it, it, their whole story, what they do, they, they explain all, all the stuff I just explained. They explained it all to you. You can get a lot of information about it, but they, they essentially bring these drivers around. So they're going East to West of the U S you might have to drive a little distance to get there, but, um, from the, several friends I've told that taking their kids to this class, they've all said it was, it was absolutely worth it. Now, the reason why I tell that story is because um, our friend, her, her son, was driving. His wallet fell, and he went to reach for it. And, of course, the wheel went with his hand as he's reaching down to get his wallet. He swerves off the road, clips a phone, uh, a telephone post, and then uh, hits, bump, bounces off a tree and then wraps the car around another telephone post. Uh, he walked away from the accident. Whoa. But Was he driving a Volvo? I don't know what he was driving. I meant to send a text and ask right between the shows. I totally forgot. Um, but the 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 point was potentially an avoidable situation. Maybe we could say. Um, but the key thing was a if he would have done if if he could have done a class like put on the brakes dot org, um, maybe he would have learned a little bit. Like your wallet on the floor probably isn't important. You don't need it right now, so leave Couldn't it alone. You Why is this only for teens? Couldn't we all use this? I, I think everybody can use it, but they the focus obviously because of why they started this was really focused around yeah. young drivers because young drivers tend to make the mistakes that like you're driving. You're like if you get into a if you get into a, a skid, you over the years of driving, you you know, you and I probably 20, 30, 40 years of driving experience. We kind of know how to correct into it with a skid now. Some drivers nope. may not. Uh, okay, maybe not. I guess you live in a place that you never skid. You're never like I'm on ice sometimes or snow. Yeah, we have so no I've, ice, I've no just, snow, no rain. By the way, but, our, our biggest danger is very interesting. And if we get rid of these ice cars, it would be helpful. Um, because it doesn't rain here, cars drip a little bit of oil all the time, right? You oh. These little tiny drips of oil. So imagine a road that hasn't had any water on it in four months with all the little drips of oil and now lay a nice little layer of mist on top of it. it. It's probably the most dangerous time to to drive here is immediately after a small rain when we haven't had anything for a while. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Like I can say, I think this is worth looking at. I think he would have probably been able to be a little better if he would have taken this class, which I think his mom has now signed him up for because uh, we told them about it. And then, but more importantly, autonomous driving you know, again, a vehicle where 
where it says, I'm going to assist you and make sure you stay in your lane. I'm not going to let you do certain things. Or he might have had the wherewithal to say, I'm going to turn on autopilot and reach and pick up my wallet. And now the car's doing it. And like, should I be doing this? No, maybe not without uh, level three or level four autonomy. But I know that I can reach and get it and know the vehicle can handle it for the couple seconds while I want to reach down and grab my wallet. Um, so like I say, autonomous driving, I think, will will help save. And we don't want – the reason why I like put on the brakes.org is because we don't want a kid to learn at that most critical time <laughs> where it's, it could be life-threatening you know, how to do these things when you can teach them how to do it in a controlled fashion. So, um, the, the things that I think in autonomy that you look at in autonomy that I think all of us are probably comfortable with is, um, like I said, adaptive cruise control. Some of us are lucky in having a car. Many of us probably have, um, lane departure warnings in cars. So I drove a, um, uh, I think it was like a like GMC Denali or something like that. And I, as I was departing the lane, you, you kind of felt this vibration on the seat saying, hey, you're going over the right side of the lane or the left side of the lane. So it's you kind of got this feedback letting you know you were leaving your – it's a departure warning. You're leaving your lane or you might have something that appears on your mirror letting you know there's a there's a blindside detection. I detected a car. So if you look to your mirror to go, it's showing you like a yellow light in your uh, side view mirror saying there's a car here. Like, yeah. I know it's there. Yeah. So we're slowly – I think – I think car manufacturers saying we could have you here, but we know that we have to let you start getting comfortable. Where you see that light, and you look, and say, "Oh my gosh!" If I didn't turn my head, I wouldn't have seen that car, but it helped me. And as you start getting comfortable, all of a sudden you're saying, "All right, well, you know, since I know it's that good, I'm happy to put on the turn signal. It knows it's clear, and it it just does a lane change for me. I'm I'm good with that." And then eventually it's like it's steering on the road and keeping me in the lane and making the lane changes. All of a sudden it's like, yeah, I don't mind sitting in the back of the car anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> Do you I think, think they're slowly the inching us toward it so that we'll we'll believe in it when we get there? Absolutely. Not to mention it's kind of like the Apple upgrade model. It'll give you a little bit. That, <laughs> and we know that when we come out with the next little bit, you're going to want that right away. So then it works. Yeah, um, And that's know, where the, I want to go. The thing that worries me. Well, one thing that worries me is I, I don't know which scares me more, the people who are texting and driving or the people who are driving Teslas and just have decided it is fully autonomous already. And I know there's no. not many of them, but a uh, really good friend of mine, absolutely. His, he said, I was already texting and driving. Now I'm texting and driving while the Tesla drives. So I'm way safer. <laughs> God, no. Yeah. Um, oh, it's not it's not there yet. And I, I, I it's funny because I like I say, if you watch enough videos like you'll see, like if you watch the responsible YouTubers who are videoing, talking about this, they'll say they'll show they're showing you to demonstrate for your purposes. I can take my hands off the wheel. However, you're they oh, many of them will say you're supposed to keep your hands on the wheel. I'm taking them off so you can visually see the the steering wheel is moving. You can see it staying in the lane. So you're not questioning the validity of the video. Like I turn on autopilot. Look, it's steering. Now what Tesla's done is like after a certain period of time, it'll say put your hands back on the wheel. You, yeah. If you don't do it, after you get three strikes, you're out. Once you're out, it says you have to pull the vehicle over, turn it off, and then turn it back on to get this feature back. We Wait, disable that, the feature. That for the doesn't happen drive. now. Oh, absolutely does. Yeah. Wait, it actually makes you pull the car over? Okay, so this is what happens. You're driving you're driving the Tesla with autopilot on and it, it it'll warn you and says, "Please put your hands on the vehicle." And oh, on the yeah. on the steering wheel. And right. you don't. I've seen that. And it says, "Again, cuz you haven't done it, please put your hands on the steering wheel." I'm going to nope. pull this car over if you don't put your <laughs> Yeah, the third time it starts to slow the vehicle and it's disabled it, it's disabling autopilot. So, you have to physically take back over the vehicle. It's oh. trying to get the vehicle off the road. 
but you can't re-engage autopilot. So like one of the, there was a video, I'll find it and I'll put in the links as well. There's a guy who purposely forced the Tesla to do that. And he said, all right, yeah, now I can't re-engage autopilot. Autopilot is now disabled for me. I can't use it. And again, uh, if I'm missing some of the nuances of that, I do apologize for Tesla drivers, but it's essentially saying you can't, if you want to get autopilot turned back on for the rest of your drive, you have to pull over turn the vehicle off, turn it back on to now, now you can have autopilot again, you know, slap on the wrist, be good. And it's to deal with people who are just saying, I'm just going to get in the car, turn it on. And yeah, I can do whatever I want. I can watch a DVD. It's they're They're trying to deal with forcing you to be engaged in the driving part. Cause you, you're in charge of operating the vehicle. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I, uh, so, it, I can see how it's tempting though. Uh, my, my buddy Ron has a Tesla and we took it out for a spin and he showed us what happened if he just let go of the wheel and it was doing great by itself. And, you know, he'd put his hands on the wheel periodically and it was doing great. And well, like, wow, this thing's really amazing. And all of a sudden there was a dark spot on the road, which, by the way, is another thing we have a lot of here where uh, there's a dip. You can tell because there's a dark spot. That's where the oil dripped off all the cars as they hit the dip and the car swerved into the next lane. Yeah. And so just- and we all went, whoa, OK. Okay, they really do mean keep your hands on the wheel on this thing. Yep. Yeah, if you watched, um, Leo Laporte did something on the screensavers for his Tesla, mm-hmm. and he was showing the autonomous driving, and he was going through an intersection where it doesn't have la- – like when you're in an intersection, there are no lanes. Mm. Like that's – and it's designed for highway, and he was using it on regular roads, and it essentially lost lane markings, and then it says, oh, I'll just go over to – like as it's coming across the intersection, it, it just switched lanes because – Straight across wasn't its lane. It was the other lane to his left. But because we've all gone through intersections where you're where the lane, which one do I go into? Yeah, Yeah, you you can look and you say, I'm in the middle lane. There's only three lanes. So I can see that my lane's a little off to the right. So you just as a normal driver naturally shift a little to the right. And so does everybody else. That's how we don't get in accidents. Well, no, I'm sure people do it wrong and do get in accidents, too. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. But that's the car is looking for the lane markings. And that's why they're saying it's not full autonomy yet. Um, In the same respect, like as you start thinking, like um, if you start thinking about driving, it's like if you think about like a um, uh, an exit, like an exit, like like a right turn lane, like Mm -hmm. to turn right off a road or left turn. If you think about like right where you have a line, if you're in the right lane, it's like all of a sudden your right side line that it's trying to keep you centered between starts veering off to the far right to make that lane. Yeah. And there's there's that other line doesn't pick up till further ahead. So it's like it's now trying to center itself between what's off to its left and the two, two lanes until it realizes like, oh, crap. And it's <laughs> it's this like slap adjustment that it does. So I mean, you deal with that today. But I mean, I think we'll work through it. Yeah. Um. So I, I was going to jump into some of the some of the misconceptions, I think, that we deal with with uh, electric, unless you want to talk. That's right. A little no, bit no, more no. About- That's enough on autonomous vehicles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. So common mis- misconceptions with EVs. Yeah. So I, 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 I'll start off with cost because that's always a big one. Like everyone sees a Tesla price point. So I'm going to be very clear. You're buying a Tesla. It's a hundred grand. Like don't look at the website. Stop. That's why I don't own a Tesla. Yeah. It's <laughs> we were all, yeah, I'm getting a Tesla. It's going to be great. They said they were going to be 40 and then it was 50 and 60. Then it was 70. And oh, but yeah. that's not the good one. Right. Now I'm going to put asterisks around this. I'm talking X and S for right now. It's a hundred grand. Now, if you want to go with a, with a used one, which you can do, you could probably get those around fifty to sixty, and you'll be you'll be pretty daggone happy. Okay, but the Model S, uh, oh, the S and the X. That's not the Model Three. So the X, for people who don't know, is the is the uh, the SUV. The S right. is the big luxury sedan. The Model Three is supposed to be for normal people who still make a lot of money. 
starting at thirty, starting at thirty-five thousand before um, federal and federal <laughs> and state incentives. Now, I, I, my gut tells me is that, like, I looked at, I've, I've actually asked Allison. Funny enough, in my spreadsheet that uh, I shared with you, um, I have laid out. There's an extra tab in there. It's probably just called Sheet One. Um, but in that spreadsheet, uh, I show the Model X and Model S configurations. So I show like, all right. How much did all the options cost for the X and the S that I would want when I can when I fully configure it out for Model S? After I went through and checked the box for the things that I would want on the vehicle, twenty one thousand three hundred dollars just in options. So wait, you, wait, adding twenty one thousand? Yeah, that's going with the lowest end engine. So for me, I live in an area that gets snow, so I knew immediately I had to get all wheel drive. So that was five thousand dollars just to go to from a seventy five real wheel drive to a 75 D all wheel drive. <laughs> then I added in, like I got the premium upgrade package. Cause I want the, I want the air filter cause I'm in traffic a lot, get behind a truck and it's blowing smoke and you're like, oh, smells like crap. I wanted that air filter. That's, that's $3,500. $3, yeah. I wanted the enhanced autopilot. <laughs> By the way, Honda Bob uses a, a roll of toilet paper as his air filter in his car. Just saying. So. <laughs> smart, smart guy. Um, I wanted oh, the enhanced, enhanced autopilot. Yeah, that's that's the that's the adaptive cruise control, lane assist, lane change, all that good stuff. Steering. My, that one I would believe in, but that's five grand. Five grand. Wow. And that, that's not the that's not the other th- four grand. I think they want to, or three grand. They want to charge for the full autonomy when and when and if it ever gets regulated. Then I I live in a cold area, so I wanted I wanted the uh, sub zero package, which means I have heated steering wheel, heated seats. Um, I wanted if you want to change the color of the vehicle, which I could opt out of. It's a thousand dollars. So if you want the car in black, it's free. If you want any other color, it's a grand. Um, <laughs> the color is free. Um, if you want to upgrade your wheels, like just one level over twenty five hundred dollars. I don't want the the low profile rims. I don't, I don't really care for that. I just wanted. I just didn't like the rims they had, the default ones. The ones over one over, it, it's twenty five hundred dollars. <laughs> and then if you want to go with the interior, because I have kids, and they oddly enough they say the white interior on the tesla is the easiest to clean that's thirty three hundred dollars that's twenty one thousand three hundred on the model x it's twenty one thousand five hundred fifty dollars for my options these are options so if you were to to get the model three at only how much at thirty one thirty five thousand so it starts at thirty five thousand you have to add probably twenty thousand worth of stuff to it so I'm thinking a Model 3, you're going to be somewhere in the 50 range, somewhere in the wow. 50. Like, I think some of the options will be cheaper because if you look at – if you compare the S and the X, you'll look at lines and you'll say, oh, the the wheels are 3000 on the X and they're 2500 on the S. They'll probably be cheaper on the 3 and all of these things will probably go down in price. But my gut tells me you're going to go from $35,000 quickly into 50, which – Means that some it might price some people out that ha- are part of those four hundred thousand reservations. So, um, but it, it, regardless, okay. So expensive th- this this bullet was entitled uh, "Common Misconceptions Cost." And now you're telling us that fifty thousand is the cheap car. Okay, so <laughs> you're not really selling that. Yeah. All right. So the reason why I, I wanted to make sure I brought that to everyone's attention because everyone looks at cost and they think of Tesla. Now, there are options. I mean, you could – like I told you, I said that there there are other vehicles out there. So there are tons of vehicle options that you could go with. If you wanted to go with – if you're crazy you want to go with Mercedes, there are options in the $40,000 range. The Fiat 500, $32,000. Um, there are vehicles that um, – there's actually a – Well, these go like 50 feet though, right? Uh, no, they range. So if you wanted to get the Nissan Leaf, you can get 177 miles on pure electric with the Le- Nissan Leaf. 
Okay. One oh seven. That's thirty two thousand dollars. That's before federal and state incentives. So if you figure for the state of Maryland where I live, that's three thousand dollars state incentive and seventy five hundred federal incentive, you've just knocked ten ten and a half grand off the car. Now, so now my understanding is that at people. least at the federal incentive level, um, there there's something about after they reach a certain number of electric vehicles sold, not by any one company, but total, that that's going to disappear. Yeah, there's a there's a phase out. So that's that's the concern that everybody has with Tesla is you have 400,000 reservations, but the guy who's 400,000 in line isn't going to get all that federal incentive. And that's the biggest concern that people have. So if you're going to buy it, you got to know that. I'm willing to buy this even without the federal incentive. I don't think you're going to suffer the same fate with Nissan or Audi or those guys early on. No, no, no. Think- but but it was it was total number of cars no, no, no. sold. Not it wasn't by company. No, I think it is by company. Uh, I think it, I think oh, oh, we'll check the federal phase out. Uh, yeah, I'm know. in some weird electric vehicle energy.gov thing, and it's making me calculate what my savings would be. I don't right, even. So- yeah. I did so uh, all thing. electric vehicles and plug-in hybrids car are, are purchased in or after 2010 will be eligible for $7,500 credit. Uh, Mount may vary. Right, yeah, it's well, up to $7,500. I don't think all cars so get $7,500. I, I think the number was $200,000, but that might be only in a calendar year. Uh, even, if, even if it is that. Because it would make no sense. Because if you think about Nissan, oh, Nissan has shipped a lot of Leafs. I think we've shipped a lot of just just Nissan the between the Leaf and the Prius over the years. We would, I think it was like two hundred thousand. For some reason, the number stick in my head. I'll make sure I find out what that number is so that we can, by the time you post this, we can put something in the notes. How's that sound? Okay, that sounds good. I'm uh, I'm looking at it now, and this site is implying that you're correct. That uh, that because they're showing it by automakers. So General Motors is actually at one hundred twenty four thousand two hundred ninety. So they estimate that it'll be uh, phased out. It'll drop from seventy five hundred in Q3 of twenty eighteen. Then it's got Nissan Tesla's third. But the reason Tesla's coming up so much is because the Model uh, Three just Model started three. shipping and they've got so many people who want them and they're claiming they're going to go really fast. You got it. So they're. Sure. Q3 of 2018, you're you're still in good shape. If yeah. I'm sure Honda's not even on this list, we can probably buy those out into 2062, and they won't have made a good one yet. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so, mad, I'm mad at Honda and Acura for not being in this game. It really irritates you, me. And my neighbor is a master mechanic for Acura. He does all of our cars, and even he gets frustrated with this. So, um, one of the things, if you're if like. I think on the last show we talked about like thinking about how far do you drive realistically, like stop thinking of the long trip you take. <laughs> so when I, when I did my math, it's, it takes me roughly about six to seven days to drive 300 miles. And that's, that's average throughout the year. And I do have the breakdown on a per month basis and it doesn't waver too much on a per month. There's, there are definitely isolated incidents like two or three here and there where I have to fit like I do long trips, but not enough that, I'm going to make a purchase decision based upon that. And another example is when you buy a car, like you go out and, you know, like you're, you're a family of four. How many, how often are you, are you out in the car and you have your kids with you and you're driving around pretty rare, right? You have four people in your car, but how often do you need to go out and you guys say, Oh, why don't you guys drive and take them? Um, Why don't you, why don't you drive your car and just follow us there? How often do you do that? Probably not often, but you're not going to buy a car and say, 
I need a suburban because that once or twice a year that I have to, that there's six of us going. Everybody in LA does. Everybody in LA does. (laughs) So that's the problem that like, it's just as you won't make a purchase decision saying, I'm going to buy a bigger vehicle than I know I reasonably need 90% of the year. Don't do that on your range either. You don't have to. So for me, when I looked at We talked in the, in the last episode about getting down to one car. I don't think it was this episode. Uh, the idea of maybe it was getting it was down to, to, one, to one car. And, and I think maybe the answer, at least for my family, would be one little tiny electric vehicle that goes that goes 30 miles. But that's the one you take over to save on to pick up toothpaste and then a reasonable sized SUV when you want to carry people and you want to carry the dog and you're going to drive all the way to San Diego to see your grandson. So you know, that kind of a mix up. And then neither car you know, each car is designed for the maximum need you have on the two ends. Right. So that's what my colleague did. So I'm the one who's been researching this and looking at this. And I have two friends, one that got a Tesla, one that got the actual BMW i3. If you look up the BMW i3, if anybody has it, uh, they'll, they'll agree with me on this. Most people look at the car and say, "Eh, you drive that. I wouldn't want to be seen dead in that. Blah, blah, blah. I looked at the car. I was like, you got the I3? Really? Because I'd seen it and I was like, I don't like it. Oh, it's like Rob Dunwood says it looks like a mushroom. Yeah. I got in the car and I was like, okay, once you're inside, it's like, this is actually nice. And it drives really well. So he drives his drive, his commute to work every day is seven miles to work, seven miles home. Mm. And he says, he goes, this car is never going to lead to Orange County. That that's where this car will live. Hmm. I drive it all the time. My wife drives it all the time. We have, uh, they have a Toyota or Highlander. Is Toyota Highlander? Yeah. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they have a Highlander and they go, that's what, when we, when they went to Mammoth on their vacation, they took the Highlander. We packed it up, got the kids in, got the grandma in, and we drove up to, to, to Mammoth for vacation. When they, when he tools around, his wife goes to the grocery store, she jumps in the I-3. They drive the I-3 everywhere and they love it. Hmm. Now, when I was there, he said, you got to drive it. You just got to get in the car. Now, I was thinking I was going to surprise him with a Fusion and show him how cool the regenerative braking and all that stuff was. I got in the BMW i3 and I was like, oh, I got to figure out how to make an electric vehicle happen for me sooner because <laughs> it was so – I mean to drive a pure electric vehicle and I will preface it. Tonight, I'm, we're actually – me and my buddy decided to rent a Tesla. So we're picking up a Tesla tonight. A friend of ours who owns a Model X is meeting us at the office tomorrow, so I get to drive an S and an X in like a very short period. So I'm like over the moon excited. But when I drove the i3, the thing I I found is like I was driving it. We were we were driving up to a light, and this might not be a good idea, but um, we're driving up, and I'm I'm learning how to do the regenerative braking and braking the car properly. And I get my foot off and we're at a light and I'm just sitting there and I have no foot on anything. It's just like I don't need to. Now, if someone would have come in and slammed in behind the car, of course, I'm going to propel myself in front because I'm not putting my brakes on. I was like, I don't need to oh, put the brakes on. that's interesting. You sure brakes aren't engaged? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I, I don't. Huh. I, I was like, now, I think there's something. I thought there was a feature in Tesla, which I'll, I'd have to look at again that – um, the idea that you can come to a light and it it won't do anything until you go to the gas. I believe it engages the brake. But on the I-3, it's like I was able to regen brake it all the way down to a full stop. And we were sitting – it was only when we were on a downhill tilt that I actually had to use the, the brake pedal because it wasn't stopping the vehicle's downward rem- momentum because it was a very steep hill. But it was it was such a fun drive. And then, of course, I got to experience adaptive cruise where we were on a road – told it to say two car distance set the speed and the this car is still speed on up, the i3 up. 
This is in the i3. Oh, wow. It was amazing. Now, the i3 comes in two options, pure electric, which is what he went with, and then there's electric with regen. So when he bought the i3, he shopped around all the California dealerships. He called, he, called a, he called a bunch and said, this is what I want. I want an i3 fully spec'd out without the, um, the range extender on it, but I don't want to pay – I want to lease it. I don't want to pay more than $300 a month. So everyone calls back around. One guy's like 380 this and that. He's like, I don't know what 380 and 300 have to do with each other except for the three at the front. I want 300. 300 is where I want to be. He's leasing the car for $300 a month. So he put down $3,000, but he gets $2,500 California incentive for that vehicle. So he really only put Wait, down Wait, even though he's leasing it? Even though he's leasing it. So he really only put down $500. Now, think about this. A lease, when you put down the, the deposit on a lease, includes the first month, the first month's uh, lease payment. So he really only put down how much? $300 or $200 because you say right. $2,500 out of the $3,000, $500 left, $300 for your payment, $200 left. So he put down – he even though he had to write a check for $3,000, he's getting a check for $2,500 back from the state of California. Um, so that's in that. interesting so, that with the lease you get the $2,500. What about the $7,500 from federal? I haven't asked him. I don't know if they're able to – I don't know if that's – in if they take that off the cost of the vehicle and the, okay. the lease holder actually goes and says, well, we get the federal credit cause we were the lease holder on the vehicle. Yeah. So we get that credit, but we, we charge you less uh, for that vehicle. So we're not going to charge you as if the vehicle was, you know, $40,000 when it's really only 30, uh, 32, five because okay. of that $7,500 knockoff. So I, I think that plays into it a bit, but he doesn't get that 7,500 back. But like I say, it was a good deal. But he's, he's also like, only put- spending 300 bucks a month. $300 a month and at work he can charge for free. So he's like, I drive 14 miles a day. I have 114 miles in range. I can plug in at work and charge for free. So he's, so the only requirement is that he has to move the car after four hours of charging or he pays $5 an hour to be parked in that space. Cause they, they detect that you're plugged in. But other than that, he just, he plugs in and charges at work every like twice a week. I think it is once or twice a week, just so hmm. the car is fully charged for when they're tooling around at home. You know, I've I've always been a buy not lease kind of person because I I find that if I buy I tend to keep my cars longer and I don't yep. go with the instant gratification then I can uh you know pay them off and and uh and then get high resale value because uh, Hondas and Acuras get high resale value but in a market where this is evolving so quickly maybe that doesn't make any sense that you want to do a two or three year lease because in two or three years from now these things are going to be uh, much more autonomous or maybe yeah. I don't need a car by then. So if you look at the people who took the delivery, of the first model S's, there was no, no autonomous driving type stuff going on. Like you didn't really have right. anything. Then the next kind of wave of those, those vehicles, they, they had the tech package, which had that kind of level one type driving mm-hmm. uh, assist. Then you got to autopilot version two of the hardware. It starts to advance really quickly, not to mention right. the battery sizes quickly started changing. You went from 85 being like the fastest, the first Teslas that, sh- that the Model S's that they, they produced, um, a 70, uh, the lowest end te- Model S you can get today is faster than the, I think is the fastest or is almost oh, wow. as fast as the, yeah, the they, performance 85. They were not as impressive in performance as I thought they would be when they came out. Steve and I got to drive the Tesla Roadster uh, through an odd connection and dang, that thing was fun. That was, I forget what it was, zero to 60 and I want to say it was like 2.7 or, I mean, it was some ridiculous number. It was, it was yeah. like Maserati fast. 
So when the uh, Tesla Model S came out and it was about what my uh, t- uh, uh, accurate TL could do, I was like, well, come on. That was my favorite part was how fast that thing was. It was crazy. Yeah. And now but, they're uh, like, I think the Model S now can do like 2.3 seconds. It's faster than faster than the roads so that you have. Okay. Fun. Okay. Cool. Faster. Okay. And, um, and, you know, but, that was one of the complaints I had with uh, uh, Acura came out with a, uh, I, I want to call it, it, was it the ILX? I forget which one it was, but they had a, a hybrid vehicle and they actually figured out how to make an electric vehicle that was slower in acceleration than their, than their electric, their ICE vehicles. I was so like, I'll, how did you manage to do that? I mean, you had to work to make it that stupid. I, I will give you the links to some other videos now that you say this because it is dis- so the i3 and I was when I when my buddy it is surprisingly it's actually I think um if you ignore the M series BMWs it is the fastest BMW from zero to thirty I think he was telling me and the I was I3 like are you s- really the i3 I was like are you serious he's like yeah he's it, it's like because it has such torque at, at that low end. But then, of course, past 30, everything's blowing by it, right? And that's what you typically see with electric vehicles. That they Like even with a Tesla, if you watch any drag races like, oh, the Tesla beat the Ferrari or this or that or the, the Bugatti, it's, it's because it, has, it, it accelerates so fast ahead of vehicles that if you're just trying to do something like a quarter – I think it's like a quarter mile is usually what they're doing. It's not a long enough race for these cars that have that super high end to build up that speed and pass it. And if you listen to many drivers, they'll say is I was roping the car in like it. It shot off and I knew that was going to be I knew that was a case. Instant torque. It's gone. I I can't (laughs) catch it right away. But I know that the longer the race is, it's more in my favor. And the those racetrack races are ideally designed for electric vehicles because they have such torque off the 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 i3 was an absolute blast to drive uh it was really it was really a fun vehicle and you see that typically with most electric vehicles um is that there's just such good high-end torque so i i do want to touch on like the bolt i think you got so now overlook. we're talking about the one with the b as in boy the bolt yes. so is that uh an electric vehicle what is it exactly yeah, that's that's it if, if even though Tesla wants to say the model three is the first long range, like regular person vehicle, it, the, the bolt is it, it has 238 miles of range. It came out last year. And I think it was September ish timeframe. The bolt got released. It's almost been a year now. It first came to California and Oregon, and now it's been working its way across all the U S states so that you can buy it anywhere. It's still not in my state yet in Maryland. I think we don't get it until August of next year, but it, it 238 miles of range. Like when I tell you about my driving, I, I, I don't need to charge this, but every couple of days. So when people think is, I think, yeah, but if, when you go somewhere, you got to charge for 40 minutes, but imagine you come home with your phone, you plug your phone in and charge it. When you get home, you just plug your car in. And the cool thing is like, if you live in California or Phoenix or places where you have, um, different electrical costs based upon time of day, you can say, you plug in, but you tell the car, don't start charging until midnight when ah. my rates are lower and then stop charging by this time. You can also tell the car, I'm leaving at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning, have the temperature set to 68 degrees in the car. So when I get in, it's a nice, cool car to get in. And it's cooling the car based upon the electrical charge at the house and not the batteries in the car. So you still have oh, your full range. Oh, that's interesting. 
because we, you know, we typically will run outside to our cars. And if it's super hot day, you might run out and start the car and let it cool down a little bit. And then you go jump in or you vent all the windows, turn it on, wait for all the hot air to blow out of the vents and start cooling down. It's like, why can't I just tell the car? I mean, people who have like OnStar who are probably laughing and saying, I do that with my car today with OnStar. What do you do? If you want to cool the car, you tell the car to start and then cool down and set the air conditioning on. And then you go jump in the car in a couple minutes. But you're burning gas at that time. This is plugged into your house. Yeah, I don't know what's wrong with you people. Just suffer a little bit. Yeah, forget so. <laughs> so, but like I say, there's there's tons of options. I mean, if you're crazy like Rob and you want to buy like a Cadillac, um, the Cadillac CT6, it it sucks from a range standpoint. It only gets 32 miles of range on electric, but it has 440 miles of range with gas. I mean, some of the some of the plug-in hybrids that you get, options you get, it's crazy. Like um, like the uh, Hyundai, uh, I think it's Sonata. I think I spelled it wrong in the show notes, but uh, it, it gets 99 miles. To uh, my 99 miles MPGE. Uh, yeah, miles what is that? I saw that electric. when I was buying my uh, BMW i3 just now, which, by the <laughs> way, I don't care if it looks like a mushroom. That looks like a really fun car. Yeah. Well, so I'm getting uh, used to it. Yeah. Uh, so the MPGE is miles per gallon electric, which means combination of both gas and electric. The two things combined, this is what your miles per gallon is. 99 is pretty daggone good. So if you're saying, you know what, I, I'm not ready to jump full into the EV camp. I want to wade my, my my foot in here. I'm going to go this route. Now, something I did learn, um, which is probably important, um, I was reading the um, FAQ on the Prius. And one of the questions is, with the Prius, which is a plug-in hybrid, can I can I just choose never to put gas in the vehicle? And it says, nope, we recommend you always maintain gas in the vehicle. Like you, you should yeah, not like it'd be bad. without gas. Well, yeah, it's going to be bad for the whatever the gas engine is. Right. But I only plan on going long enough. So if I don't want to put gas in it, why should I? But it's saying you should operate the vehicle. You should always have the gas in the vehicle if you're going to operate the I vehicle, mean, which I get it. It's probably not going to work properly. Is I mean, yeah, seals I, I dry out and stuff. You can't just not have gas. No, maybe yeah, oil. I imagine, mm. I imagine that applies to all plug-in hybrids. There, so I think pro- someone's probably thinking now, why the why are you so against gas? It, are you just like a tree-hugging environmentalist? It's not that. What I want to get rid of in in my part is all the maintenance that's involved. And we all know the happy euphoria when you when you finally get rid of your car that you've had for eight or nine years that have just you just feel like every time you turn around you have to go to the mechanic to deal with something like and it's minor it's things that happen as the car ages. When you get that new car, it's kind of like, ah, oh, it's so good. It's like, it's not just a new car smell. It's just, you don't deal with any of the little, little niggly problems you deal with. And, you know, my wife took her car in to get the oil change. They stripped the, the bolt for the oil pan. And now we're dealing with that. And I'm like, and of course I'm just sitting there like if I had a freaking Tesla, I'm <laughs> dealing with changing oil or someone stripping the bolt for the oil plan. And the reality you know, that, that was really funny when we went to drive the Roadster from Tesla, they took us in and they, they didn't let us walk into the mechanic shop part of it, but they pointed through the door and they said, notice the color of the floor. They have white tile. Yeah. And they can do that because there's no oil. The entire, the Tesla has a cup of oil and I forget what it goes to. It's like for the windshield wipers or something. It's some, some ridiculous yeah. thing. Yeah, it's, they don't have much oil in those vehicles at all. And like that's what I want to get to is the point where I say <clears throat> I can drive the vehicle. I can go where I can go the places I need to go. And if if I only add the vehicle for my 90, per, like for 90 percent of our driving and then keep my my truck that I currently have, which is fine for the other, 
you know, 10% of where it's like, hey, I'm going to go 400 miles and I want to keep this vehicle, I can have it. Like, it's an option, but it'll sit most of the time. Like, my wife's, like, when my wife, she got another vehicle, uh, an Acura. It's a smaller vehicle because she was like, I'm driving around a big minivan all the time when I'm, when all the kids are in school. I don't really need a minivan 90% of my time. The kids are in school. The summer they're off, we're going places. We want to take friends with us. We take the minivan. If it's just me and you're not here and I'm taking the four kids, we take the car because it's more efficient. So I, I look at saying when I'm adding an EV on, I want the EV to kind of be that 90% of all of my driving type vehicle or right, family right. driving. Um, and if you can get something fun, like, like I said, the Fiat 500, if you look at that, it's like, that's a fun car. It's only 87 miles of range, but it's a fun looking car. It's 32 K. You take all the incentives off on buying it. It's, it's more around $20,000, uh, after federal and state incentives on it. It's a big payment. But if you say that we all just, we all drive this car and tool it around now, something you do need to look at, which I, I put notes on the Fiat 500 cause it doesn't support level three charging. So there's various charging levels. Level three again. All right, so okay. um, level one charging, 110 volt outlet. Look at it that way, okay? Level two charging tends but, to be So two- you mean I can just drive into my garage without any modifications, plug it in? That's level three? Yeah, yeah. The same place you plug your cell phone into charge, you can, okay. no, is level one. Is where oh, that's level one. In. Look at, in the U.S., look at your dryer outlet, or if you're in any other civilized country outside of the U.S., it's 240 volt. They're saying, yeah, that 110 stuff you have that when you put your fingers in the socket and it tickles you. Yeah, we do with the stuff that if you put your fingers in the socket, it kills you. 240, that's kind of, look at that as being like level two. It's, it's You're going to get faster charging. So, so 110 is level one. 240 yeah, tip, is? Typically three to four miles of, of range on a charge. When you start to get to level two, roughly around 200. Per hour. Per hour, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I find that really funny to to talk about your 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 mileage is or your charging speed is three miles per hour. It's a really weird way to say it. Okay, it's a little scary because. <laughs> but again, if you think that, well, when I come home at night and I park my car at seven o'clock at night when I get home from work and plug it in, and I'm not going to leave until seven in the morning the next morning, that's thirty six miles of charge. And again, my example of my friend, he only drives seven miles to and seven miles from. <laughs> He's charging way more than he need than he would need to, but. Keep on. So level two charging, 240, you're talking about adding on around 12 or so miles of charging uh, or 12 to 24 miles of charging, I think somewhere around there per hour. When you start getting into level three charging, I'll give you the I've, – I've, I haven't experienced it myself or supercharging. Supercharging is designed to – in 30 minutes I think it is, is to put back uh, I think – over 50% of your battery charge on a Tesla. So you could be talking about going from zero to almost 140 mile range in a super fast period of time with level three charging. My buddy went, he went to the, he went to the uh, bank and he said, when I first got the vehicle, I went into the bank to deposit a check and I plugged in the vehicle outside. I was in for 30 minutes dealing with the bank. When I came out, the vehicle went from 13 miles of charge to over 80 miles of charge. Wow. And And how long was he in? In 30 minutes? 30 minutes in, in the bank. Nice. Now, he's dealing with a smaller battery. So the other thing you have to understand with batteries is that um, – and you've, you've probably heard this when you listen to Tesla supercharging. The charging ramps. So it starts off and it, you get a lot of really quick charge. And then when you get towards the end, like if you want to go to almost 100% battery charge, that last 20% of charge takes almost as long as that first – 80% of charge. And that's, that's where you, that's why. So I it's like, like fast you, charging an, uh, an Android phone then. 
right. So if you look at anybody, yeah, I just got caught you a little joke there. Um, <laughs> that's why if you look at like if you watch any of the videos that we had mentioned in I think either show one or that I'll, we provide links for, when you watch the stories, they'll say like the Tesla will tell you say stop here and charge for thirty minutes. Then it'll have you drive. And you're like, well, wait a second. I'm not even. You're not full. Like I, I'm not. It's not the batteries aren't at capacity. You don't want them at capacity. Then it'll tell you to go mm. and say stop here for ten minutes. And you're like, really? Why don't I stop for forty? Why only ten? It's like because we're trying to maximize the shortness of your periods of stopping, but making sure that you can get the maximum charge speeds. So most people who own a Tesla don't charge to like we charge our phones to 100 percent. Within most electric vehicles, you can actually adjust the range to say don't charge to 100 percent, charge only to 90 percent or 80 percent. So you you okay. don't want to okay. you don't want to always charge 100 percent because it it degrades the battery over time. But if you know that you said I'm going to be going on a 300 mile trip, you might say for this time go to 100 percent because I want to start with my maximum range, and then for the remainder of my trip I only want to charge to 80 percent of the battery capacity, hmm. and I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah. So, so I know there, I've been babbling a, on for a long time. <laughs> yeah, we we might have to start trying to close here, but it sounds like there's a lot of different options. Rod has listed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, yeah, I don't know, twenty different options here in the electric vehicle uh, it, it spectrum. None of which are from Honda or Acura, but uh, it it looks like you've got a lot of choices. You have a lot of choices, and they got some coming up. So later this year in September, uh, Nissan, the Leaf, they'll be announcing the next version of the Leaf, which is supposed to j- jump way past the current Leaf. It's supposed to be game-changing type thing. Wow. September 6th is that big announcement. Jaguar just did a big announcement on their <laughs> next car coming next year um, in 2018. That should be pretty game-changing if you're going to looking at high-end vehicles. Um there are a couple articles that I would highly recommend people to take a quick peek at if they can. Um, so – one of my favorite writers on EVs is on a, a website called Green Car Reports. He did a three-part article. This is I sat in a hotel room when I was like, I've got to get a Tesla. He did a road trip back in, I think it was like 2013, 2014, before the supercharging network was as dense and before the GPS would actually tell you where to stop and charge. So he tells you all the stuff about his long-range journey. It's very different now, but it's a very cool he, – he, he's a very good writing style, and it helps you really think about like – like how you think about driving with EV charging. He used PlugShare. I think he used ChargePoint along the way on the journey. So it's it's a good article to read, but it's a three-part article. Understand the charging infrastructure is different, but he was doing like wind calculations, like, oh, I think it's going to be a little colder, <laughs> so I'm going to have to use the heat. It's very cool stuff there. So and your obsession did- is really kind of getting to a dangerous level. I, oh, yeah, I, I think yeah, I yeah. see why uh, the other guys on SMR podcast have to shut you down. <laughs> you yes. And then the last article I promise uh, that you want to look at is going to be the um, biz- there was a Business Insider article. A guy took his kids uh, away to camp and he had a Tesla with him when he drove. And it's it's all. But the thing about that article is when you want like, as I said, get in the car, pee or, or get out of the car, go pee, go get food, <laughs> get back in the car and we're going to drive. We're going to punish you. Um, when you read this article, you watch how the guy made the journey different like the journey was totally different when he took a tesla to take his kids to sleepaway camp it was <laughs> it, the journey was and you're looking and you're saying i, I want to do that and that's I, I if you read those articles um that it's it really does eye open so if you're if you're into this and thinking about it i would i would highly recommend uh taking a peek at some of those articles 
All right. Well, uh, this is this is pretty fun. I, I you've made me really kind of want to move out on something like this a lot sooner. <laughs> Unfortunately, I put so few miles on my car. This the previous car or this purchase, I should have done electric vehicle because I don't. What did Steve say? I drive twenty four hundred miles a year. Yeah. It's insanely low. <laughs> and by the way, I don't even drive all of those miles because my car goes to the gym every other day. And Steve's the one who drives to, drives us to the gym. So uh, it's <laughs> I definitely should have had a little electric vehicle. But hey, my, my carbon footprint's not too bad on that. That's for sure. I dream I dream of the day where my my driving kind of gets down to the levels of where you're at, because I can tell you in roughly two months, I drive twenty four hundred miles. Yikes. That, and and you're hardly I mean, ever home. <laughs> no, it, it's it, like most of my driving. And if you if you watch, you can see that as the weather gets warmer, my driving increases. So in last month uh, uh, this year, yeah, yeah, last month I drove twenty two hundred miles and it was mainly just driving my kids to baseball practices and to games because many of their games are very far away. But as you can see, is like, like you look in like uh, February, I drove a thousand miles. <laughs> it's still a lot. I mean, I'm back and forth to the airport, running them around, doing things. But it's as soon as it starts getting warm and baseball season happens, my driving goes crazy. And that's, that's the problem I'm trying to solve. It's just like, this is, uh, in a year I spent uh, a total of $2,300 on gas and I, I'm not fully through a year yet. So wow. That's what I'm trying to solve the problem. I love it. I love it. Well, Rod, this has been really fun. I hope people made it through, uh, part one and now part two. I've, uh, I, I would love it if you would come back after you choose a car because right now, all you seem to do is talk about it and do spreadsheets about it and watch podcasts about it. But one of these days, you're going to pull that trigger, right? I got a deposit on a Model 3. <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> but yes, I will definitely come back and talk about it once I own the vehicle and it's in my possession. All right. For those of you who are not already subscribing to the SMR podcast, you need to go to smrpodcast.com and subscribe. Look it up in your favorite podcatcher of choice. Rod and Robin, Chris, uh, different combinations of, of the three of them, depending on Rod's uh, schedule, is just uh, a fantastic show with uh, three longtime friends. They laugh, they make fun of each other, and uh, and it's, it is one of my favorite shows. If maybe might even be my favorite show. But uh, in any case, Rod, if uh, people want to find you in particular, how would they do that? So the easiest way, obviously, if you head over to the SMR podcast and subscribe there, that's one great way. But other ways to get me is you can get me on Twitter, Rod Simmons on Twitter, uh, Rod Simmons on Instagram. So those are kind of some easy, quick ways to get me. I don't block anybody on Instagram. So if you follow, I think my pub, my profile is public. So uh, I post goofy stuff on there. So but, <laughs> yeah, hey, enjoy and uh, hit me on Twitter if you want to. All right. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. This show is not supported by ads. It's supported by you. If you learn from the show, or even if you're just merely entertained by the shows, please consider supporting the show. If you go to podfeet.com, there's a big red button in the top banner that says support the show. If you click it, that will reveal to you several ways to contribute. You can pledge a monthly amount using Patreon. You can use the Amazon affiliate link for your country. You can make a one-time donation using PayPal. Or you can record a listener review, which is an awesome way to contribute. You can always chat directly with me via Twitter at PodFeet or email me at allison at PodFeet.com. You can join the conversation in Facebook by going to PodFeet.com slash Facebook or on Google Plus at PodFeet.com slash Google Plus. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.